Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties a moment ago. We had some problems with the uh, show creation page. Um, apparently, when I changed it, uh, the direction of 1590, the site did not work. So we were looking at a 15-minute show. So that is that has changed. So we are good to go. So with that in mind, coming to you live from the Classic City, Athens, Georgia, this is Arthur Balin. And coming to you from an undisclosed location somewhere in the United States of America, the immortal Patrick Toppin. How are you doing, Arthur? I am good. Apparently, uh, the internet hates me. It does, yeah. I cannot. You are breaking up like hell. That's not good. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll just persevere and, I don't know, maybe uh, BCI Radio will figure it all out. But we have... I say we have a lot to talk about, but we don't really have a lot to talk about. I mean, the good news is that Boston College managed to avoid what probably would have been the most embarrassing two-week stretch of football in the last 10 years by almost any team. Is that fair to say? I I mean, if they lost to Rutgers and um, Kansas, that would have been um, unforgivable. In back-to-back weeks, that's like a fireable offense. So, good job. Everything is not on fire, but it isn't necessarily that good. Um, I would say, Arthur, your impressions from the win, just sort of off the off the top, you know, first first thoughts. Um, It was an ugly win, um, and it was definitely a win um, that was kind of. I, I guess ugly win is probably the best way to put it. Um, the BC did what they had to do. Um, it was not a comfortable one by any means, but BC got the job done. Yeah, I'm kind of inclined to agree. I like sort of – we said last week that in order for this to be sort of a win that I couldn't have too much wrong with, it had to be by at least two scores. Um, and that is exactly what we got. We got a two-score win. Um 14 points, 30 to 16. Anthony Brown was pretty underwhelming, but got the job done. AJ Dillon and David Bailey both continued to be a stud. Uh, 
that was my like honestly like my impressions of the offense leaving the game was basically like well it's a good thing we have two very talented running backs and that will win us at least two more games in my opinion in the season like that should by like by themselves they provide enough offense to win those games um aj Dillon, in my opinion looked to have his best game this season just because he seemed like he was really back to his normal self um I thought he's had some issues sort of getting consistency and he's had games where he's put up more rushing yards. But my general opinion was that he, a lot of those times, those games are skewed by one like 65 yard run. And this time, you know, his longest run was 15 yards. He just pounded the hole, got good chunk plays, kept the chains moving and allowed, uh, allowed the offense to do what it needed to do. So you know, he looks great. Obviously, David Bailey had that long run and the touchdown, uh, continues to put up good stats in a backup role and pr- relatively limited usage. Um, yeah, they ran the ball 61 times for over 250 yards. Like, it's, uh, it's what you do. Yeah, A.J. Dillon definitely had a game uh, that will go down as probably one of the better games on the season. And... Um, it's pretty clear that BC's rushing attack um, is at least back to where it should have been after um, some struggles. Um, AJ, I mean, well, let me back up. AJ Dillon had a good game last week, but but the, the, the rushing attack just in general, like outside of AJ Dillon, looks like it's it's about where it needs to be as of right now. Um. The issue now, I think, comes back to Anthony Brown because after a really solid game against Virginia Tech, he has kind of fallen off the cliff. Statistically or just the way he looks? Because my general impression is he's about yes. where I would, I would agree. He's sort of he's sort of game is the only good game is the only good and I don't really see anything else where I'm like wow that's a yeah so I mean like if you want to go over his stats basically since the Virginia Tech game against Richmond eight for fourteen for 163 yards uh so but wasn't asked to do a whole lot in that game Kansas 18 for 36 for 195 yards, 50%. And then Rutgers, 13 for 25 for 160 yards. He's not proving to be an asset on the playmaking. And I'll give him granted, he's had some, he's made some pretty throws, but the consistency has not been there at the level that I think Boston College fans expected, especially coming out of that first game. If you had told me that he was going to complete, you know, 60% of his passes, throw for 250 yards a game, like that would be the solid starter that I think this team needs to win. But he has not been that since Virginia Tech. And in retrospect, the Virginia Tech win looks worse and worse as every week goes by. Yeah, and the thing is, too, you know, the backup quarterback this week for Rutgers out the three-year starter. Um, and we can, we can sort of dive in a little bit into that because I do want to talk about the defense and sort of the struggles that BC had in pass coverage and as, as the secondary woes continue. But defense aside, the backup quarterback for Rutgers, um, Artur Sikowski, 
absolutely tore apart the BC defense. And in contrast, um, Anthony Brown did not look like he was there. And the issue is, you know, what what should we be expecting from Anthony Brown? I mean, at this point, he's a three year star. He's a third year starter. Uh, he's had a ton of time to sort of mature under uh, Steve Adazio's tutelage, um, and he's still not there, uh, and he's still struggling, and he's still not looking looking like an ACC level quarterback. So to me, I guess there's two things that I look at here when I'm assessing what I think of Anthony Brown, um, because it seems clear to me that he's not where he's wanted. Fans or probably the coaching staff both want him to be. He's had a lot of issues on some of the intermediate and short-range throws. He's got a really nice long ball that he can put good touch on. But, like I said, the consistency is not there. That's what it takes to win football games. What I would expect out of him is what I said. I would expect, by this point, him to be completing 60% of his passes a game because 50% is 50% passing a game is like promising freshmen, if that makes sense. Like, that is a, hey, we'll probably be really good in two years, and here we are two years later. And Anthony Brown, honestly, like, he's still kind of a one-read quarterback, is what I like to say, is he looks like, if he has a quarterback for a long time, for his reads, when anything sort of wrong, it's improvise and maybe hope for the best. And that's, I think, why he struggles so much, is he's not making his reads, and he's not seeing the whole field as well someone who's been starting for three years should. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it hits the nail right on the head. And the issue is now you have to look ahead and, and at anything Brown and say, where, how, how much upside do you have left on this kid? Um, that leads me to the second question, which is you place him with. Well, that's a big concern. Because quite frankly, you know, say, say, you know, the team decides to move on from Anthony Brown after this year. I don't think they will. I think that Adazio trusts Anthony Brown. Um, you've seen, I mean, you've seen him have games, right? We're going to the Wake Forest game this year. We've seen, like, last year against Wake Forest, Anthony Brown threw for, like, 400 yards and looked like the savior sort of wanted him to and really done that. But if you look at depth chart, you know, Dennis Grossel is not a starting quarterback right now and probably not ever. I don't want to be hurtful to the kid, but I don't think, you know, I don't think he's the future. Matt Valisi is more of a runner than anything else and is not going to be I think, you know, maybe has some promise and could develop, but if he develops like Anthony Brown does, there's nothing there. And then Sam Johnson, who they've really indicated they really want to use their red shirt on, is 100% not going to be the quarterback this year and, you know, could potentially compete for the spot next year, but that's eight games away, eight-plus games away. So, you know, at this point, Anthony Brown is the starter for the year unless he just absolutely implodes, which I don't – think he will because I think he's not really a high he doesn't have that high of a ceiling anymore but he also has a pretty high floor right like you know what you get with him um and so yes the thing is too with Anthony Brown is as as bad as he has been 
I don't think he's quite level where he's like out outwardly costing you the So like I I think mediocrity kind of will be the thing that kind of well, the, the acceptable level of play moving forward for Anthony Brown. Because because I think it's an all right head. There's nobody behind him that you really can feel comfortable with. Um, and Steven Azure needs to think about the future as well when you're looking at like Sam Johnson. Um, and this is not really a good time for you to burn a redshirt. And I'm I'm really concerned about burning a redshirt on a on two freshman anyway. The only reason I would expect Sam Johnson to play this year is if. BC enters the final stretch final and is stretch. making three and what would it be? Three and five? Um, right? That sounds and, right. And he would have the chance to use that four games of play to sort of see what he has in Johnson and see if he's developed at all or see if he's a better option going forward. That is the only way I can see him or Valisi playing this year. Um Quite frankly, it's just not going to happen. Wake Anthony Brown is the starter for the foreseeable future, and I don't think that's a good thing. But I think it's the best that BC can ask for right now, because he's just probably the best quarterback on the roster. And I agree that eventually there has to be a point when maybe you start thinking about moving on. But right now is not the time you start having that conversation with your with the rest of your coaching staff. So. Um, Aside from that, too, everything's kind of slated right now for Anthony Brown to be the starter. Um, like your your next your quarterback in waiting is not like not where he needs to be to be a starter, and your backups aren't at the level they need to be either. So like BC, BC and Steven Azure really kind of put all their eggs in the Anthony Brown basket, and it's not really panning out for them. But it's also again, it could also be worse. True. I'd also say I don't think the guys who left like EJ Perry. Um, and who's the guy who went to Bowling Green? I'm totally blanking out his name right now. Um, I don't know. Current, the whole the whole host of quarterbacks who have transferred out, in my opinion, weren't that talented either. I don't think they were going to be – they might have been slightly more competent backup quarterbacks this year in the event that Anthony Brown were to go down with an injury and someone needed to cover him for a few games. But they're not guys who are going to win you football games. At most, they were at best they could have been guys who were not going to lose you football games. And so, yes, whether you like it or not, whether you do or do not like Anthony Brown, he's just the best that BC can ask for right now. And with any luck, he sort of finds rhythm here in the next couple of games. But also, I wouldn't necessarily think that seems super likely against a pretty good Wake Forest defense. So, um. Moving on to the defense, Arthur, what were your thoughts? Obviously, there were a lot of issues. Again, in my opinion, it seems like it was solid. BC has so many issues with staying in their gaps, wrapping up tackling, and biting on option and play action plays. Are the three things that I would say, and they all basically come down to discipline. Discipline and tackling is BC's problem right now, and that's part of the, just the effects of youth in the secondary. But also, I think what's concerning to me is that I see these issues occurring in a relatively experienced linebacking core. 
Uh, yeah. Um, the, 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 it's really time to sort of panic on the defense right now because now we've had three straight games where the defense has looked, excuse me, pretty terrible. Um, and, and, and that should be concerning to any fan. Um, you're, you're, I think you're absolutely right about the linebacking core, but let's not discount how bad like the secondary has been. It has been atrocious. And again, like, I, I keep coming back to this, like a, a, a very mediocre quarterback just tore up that secondary on Saturday. Um, there's a like he was, he was completing his passes, he was getting good looks, getting good reads, and it was to the point where you you, you wonder. If like what kind of resistance the um, BC secondary is able to uh, put up in in any situation? I do want to say, however, I want to counter that by sort of going. I mean, listen, the the secondary has not looked good. They've looked really, really, really young, and they've been shown that they can make a play or two, but they've shown that they can't make it consistently, and that's definitely concerning. But the, what I looked at when I was watching sort of the replays and all that and sort of wasn't just watching the game anymore. The linebackers have are having a really, really like Max Richardson is having a very, very hard time covering running backs. Right? Like Raheem Blackshear on the play where Blackshear caught a reception and took it seventy four yards to the house was a sort of soft block slip out in front of the offensive line, catch and run. Like, that is 100% on the linebacking core, and you cannot blame the secondary for that one. And I think that's been the other issue, is that, like, passes to running backs has proven very, very effective because once the pass has been completed against this linebacking core, the secondary can't tackle or make those tackles in space that they need you to make it just a 10- or 15-yard gain instead of a 70-yard gain. Right, and, and I think the issue, too, is, like, again, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, it wasn't necessarily the big play again, although um, there was that one Blackshear pass. Um, um, yeah, Blackshear pass. Um, but it was, it, was, it, was, it was sort of like the, the, the medium-range plays where, like, Stasky was able to, like, sort of pick off uh, receivers and just sort of keep the ball moving because again that that that's dangerous as well. Yeah, I agree, and I think yeah, it's just and I think the real issue to me is the fact that a lot of these yards are coming in obvious passing downs. Like I give credit to BC, right? BC held them to four of fifteen on third downs, uh, hold records four of fifteen on third downs, which is pretty solid, but they still allowed. Like those are those are always going to be obvious passing things, especially when you're averaging nine yards per passing attempt. Why wouldn't you expect more passes? Especially because they didn't really have a good game running it, right? They had not absolutely not. I was actually just about to say, yeah, twenty six rushing attempts for seventy six yards. Like that's barely three yards a carry. They're getting teams into third and medium pretty often, and on those obvious passing downs, they're just not holding their end of the deal, basically. And I think, yeah, I agree. The fact that Arthur Sikowski, who is a true sophomore backup quarterback who has played 
pretty few meaningless snaps or pretty few meaningful snaps. And when he has played, has not looked particularly good. Allowing him to pass for 250, 270 yards on 60% completion is not good. No, and the issue is, and I'm looking ahead, you know, Rutgers is a team where the running attack isn't going to be particularly strong. The secondary needs to shape up before, like, playing some harder ACC competition because the road only gets harder from here, and it it just feels like the offense, or excuse me, the defense is just woefully unprepared. I agree. BC is coming out of what looks to be its easy, well, sorry, not even what looks to be, what will undoubtedly be its easiest three-day stretch of Richmond, Kansas, and Rutgers having given up insane passing numbers in all three of those games. Adjusted, of course, right? Like, obviously, you know, Rutgers, or sorry, Richmond didn't put up insane passing stats, but for what you expect out of Richmond, that they're pretty, they're not great. So, Very disappointing. Um, and I think we all knew this was going to be the case coming into the year, but I think that this Virginia, the opening Virginia Tech game, five interceptions start. Three, four interceptions, five interceptions, five turnovers. Um, I think set the expectations for the secondary too high. And that is simply uh, a shame, kind of. But it's going, yeah, it's going to be a long season. I'll be honest, this week against Wake Forest, I have very, very, very low expectations. And quite frankly, I expect Jamie Newman to shred this defense. Yeah, I mean, going into the season, I, I think, again, we knew that the, the secondary wasn't going to be particularly good. But I, I don't think we really expected this. I don't think anybody could reasonably, reasonably expect this because – you know, I, I, I said at, at the beginning of the season, um, you know, if you can give David Azia one thing, it's that his defenses has, have usually been pretty good. But it's just the secondary – or not, well, the defense in general, but particularly the secondary, has just kind of fallen off the cliff. Um, yeah, and they're I'll falling off the cliff against kind – of I sort of – with the loss of three guys in the NFL, one – solid nickel starter and the loss of your incredibly, incredibly talented and effective uh, secondary coach and Anthony Campanelli. Like I knew there was going to be a drop off. I did not expect it to be this steep and I did not expect there to be this right. Because it's all so young and none of these guys have played meaningful snaps. And so on one hand, I don't think Adazio could have prepared for Ham Cheevers to go pro after his junior year when I don't think anyone had him going in the draft. He ended up going undrafted. But, like, it's been bad. And the problem is that the rest of the defense hasn't sort of picked up the slack because you can have a young and inexperienced secondary if you have a defensive line and a linebacking core that sort of makes up for it. But as the linebacking core continues to sort of bite on play fix play fakes and option plays and the defense line sort of continues to not get pressure the way that we'd probably like them to. It's going to just put too much pressure 
and too much stress on your young secondary and they're going to break really, really easily. I mean, like just looking at it, BC had zero sacks and no hurries in the last game. And I refuse to believe that Chris Ash is a good enough offensive coordinator to scheme his way out of pressure. Like that is just a failure by the Boston College defense. Yeah, and we'll, we'll move ahead towards uh, Wake Forest because I, I think the conversation is going to naturally progress there. You mentioned Jamie Newman. He's starting 319 yards per game. Now, granted, he hasn't really played uh, a particularly good competition yet. Um, it's been the, the two teams that jump out are Utah State and North Carolina, which are not exactly football powerhouses. I know, man. But Utah- you're still facing a really good quarterback. I think – all right, so my notes are basically, and I think this is fair to say, I think Jamie Newman is probably the most underrated quarterback in the ACC and potentially the country because he is putting up some pretty bonkers stats. And – He already has over 1,000 yards. Yes, well over 1,000 yards. He has yeah. nearly 1,300 yards in four games. Um, and that's right. This, okay, so here's to read off the stat line is like a solid. It's it's like a video game on rookie. He is completing seventy one percent of his passes for thirteen hundred yards. He averages nine and a half yards per attempt, and he has twelve touchdowns and two interceptions. And to be honest, he has some pretty talented receivers, but none of them are game breakers. So it's not like he's just chucking them up all to the same guy. Right, the only guy I could possibly be is Sage Surratt, who put up a monster game against Elon. Sorry, sorry, against uh, UNC, and then has just you same know, difference. Really good games against Elon and Utah State. Like this, like this is a quarterback who reminds me personally of um, how would I, who would I? Comparison that draws to mind one that probably some of our listeners won't get, and some of them, one that everyone will, is he's Jake Locker, who played at Washington, like a good running quarterback who can take it, or he's Cam Newton. He's built like a linebacker. He runs the ball. He manipulates the pocket. He can complete passes on the run. He's got great arm strength. He's just really, really good, and I'm terrified of him if I'm the BC defense. I'm terrified of him, and I'm not playing. No. He has thrown for an average of 319 yards per game, which is his average. He's averaging that. Um, yeah, against better defenses than what BC is going to throw yeah. at him. Because BC now ranks near the bottom in defensive efficiency. Um, so, yeah, and then you combine it. He's got two – they've got a stable of pretty solid running backs who are certainly able to. I mean, look at the tape, like – Aiden Carney's like this bowling ball of a running back, and then he's got two wide receivers in uh, Sage and uh, Scotty Washington, who's got great hands and good body control. So like it's it's looking to be really, really, really bad. And then yeah, Wake Forest has the ability to absolutely beat up on BC defense if they want to. I'm not even sure, like. I've read a couple things that were saying, hey, man, like this game might be a pick em. I don't think it's a pick em right no, now. No, 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 no. Right? Wake Forest is favored by seven, and if I personally was a betting man, I would hammer 
that. I would take Wake by like 14. And I'd also, it's like, it's, they are going to shred, like they, they are going to shred this BC defense. And it really, really pains me to say that because Wake Forest for the last couple of years has been roughly the equal with BC. But I don't think this game is going to look particularly close once sort of the second half gets rolling. Yeah, I mean, I, number one, I think people who are like thinking about the pick'em are are looking at it like it's a home game for BC, yada yada yada. Let's let's also put aside for a second parents' weekend, so I don't think the crowd's gonna be particularly in like raucous. Um, you can't discount home field for a horrible mismatch, and that's what you have with the with the defense, uh, with BC defense against Roy Forest offense again. Wake Forest can absolutely um, pulverize a defense as as bad as the BC defense has been. And you look on the flip side, you know, we, we, we've been talking about how good, like, how the running attack and rushing attack for BC has been solid. But you're also going into that game with what you can only confidently say is a one-dimensional offense. If Anthony Brown can sort of have one of his wonders games, like to be fair, like one of the best games he had last year was against Wake Forest on the road. So he definitely has that capability against a team like Wake Forest. But the issue is you still have like a one-dimensional offense. And that is concerning, and that should be concerning to anybody who is going to be betting on this game. If I was rooting for BC, yeah. And I think, the, for me, the other issue is that the Wake Forest defense matches up really well with the BC offense. Like, their corners are, to me, they're, not, they're nothing to write home about, like, crazy, if that makes sense. They're nothing – like, they're talented – they're good. They're not going to be the weakest unit BC faces all year. But, like, this linebacking core is led by Justin Srinad, who already has, like, 40 tackles, 15 for a lot, uh, multiple for a loss. They swarm the ball. Like, everyone on this defense or whatever, everyone in this linebacking core is, like, 6'4", 250. So, like, they're built to tackle ball handlers. And they're just – they just play really well as a unit. Like, I was watching – so I was watching the game – the weirdly, the non-conference game between North Carolina and Wake Forest, which is really weird to think about because they're both in the ACC, but they scheduled an out of How did the ACC let that happen, by the way? Why did the ACC let it happen? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I can see why that, like, why they would, but like, the idea of having two member schools play each other in a non-conference game just kind of seems not kosher to me. I mean, it's fine because I mean they're historical rivals. They're one of the oldest rivalries in football. Um, not like a necessarily like storied or like great rivalry, but definitely one of the older ones. And because they play in separate divisions and they're not the chosen cross division alignment sort of deal, they only play each other once every four years. And so they wanted to play more often. So they scheduled, I think two home and home. So I'm actually all for it. I would love to see more teams play sort of not, not more, but like keep these sort of divisional rivalries alive um, because they're fun. And like, I don't know. It's still two power five conference teams going against each other. I totally am. I'm for it. But beside the point, 
this Wake Forest defense did not allow a third down conversion until late in the fourth quarter. And UNC, so they lost to UNC 24 to 18. UNC was never in this game. Um, they like put up a lot of points at like the very end or whatever, but like this game was like clearly controlled by Wake Forest from start to finish. And I feel like if BC is gonna like if BC wants to cover, it's gonna be a garbage time touchdown, is what it's gonna be. Um, they're just better than BC is in basically every facet. Maybe not except sorry, except for running back. I've got a stable of three really, really talented guys and Kenneth Walker, Cade Carney, and Christian Beal Smith, who all pretty much evenly split carries. Um, but if I'm going to point to one thing that has me terrified for this game, and if you're listening to this, I urge you, like, go all of Wake Forest games are condensed and on YouTube for whatever reason. They and Rutgers have a really passionate fan base who just condenses all the games and puts them online for anyone who wants to see them. Um, I cannot do the same thing for BC. In my time watching football, I have not seen a quarterback who is so effective at pulling the ball out of the running back's hands on like a play action or an option play at the last second. And for a BC defense that has struggled with its discipline and containing the edge against these mobile quarterbacks, it is going to be absolutely lethal. Um, because unless the BC defense suddenly fixes all of that, he's just going to have a field day. And that's pretty much as simple as it gets. Um, so we talked a little bit about the game. What are you predicting moving forward? For the game? Um, yeah. Well, I think BC is going to put up some points. I think that even though Anthony, even though the defense matches up well, I think Anthony Brown is going to get a, like there's going to be enough sort of big plays, and I think that AJ Dillon is going to wear it down. So I expect BC to put up at least like 24. So I'm guessing like final score like 42 or 38 to 24 Wake Forest. That's my final. I I I say 42 to maybe 17. Really? You think BC only puts up three scores? All right. Yeah, I mean, it's just my, my concern is, it, like, again, like, the, the, the BC offense just seems so one-dimensional at this point. Um, I, I just don't know what to expect from them. Yeah, so to me, the way that BC wins this game is, you know, like most times, they win the turnover battle. But I think the easiest way to do that against a quarterback who's this accurate is that in the game film that I did review – Newman does have some ball security issues. He carries the ball like a baguette on the way back from the bakery, right? If you remember like how like Michael Vick carries the ball, he, like he sort of does that a lot. He had multiple fumbles against Utah State and North Carolina that were called back because of penalties unrelated to the fumble, like holding down the field by the um, and so I think, to me, the way that BC wins this game, in a way they sort of negate the RPO, is they basically have to have one guy 
designed to hit Jamie Newman on more or less every play, right? Every option play, you got to make sure someone gets a hand on him. You got to get him a little bit scared to run. You got to get him thinking about it. You got to get that ball knocked out of there because to me, that's the only, like a few extra possessions for BC to me is the only way that BC wins this game. Well, with that, do you have anything else? No, I mean, I like, yeah, I'll, I mean, if uh, any of our listeners are going to be at the San Francisco game watch this Saturday at uh, Shanghai Kelly's in San Francisco, um, I'll be there with my roommate from Sacramento. We're coming down. We're going to go see the Cal football game on Friday night and then make our way over to San Francisco on Saturday afternoon. So, uh, just look for the dude in the super fan shirt. That'll be fun. And uh, looking forward to, you know, I hope it's a good game. I hope it's competitive, but I'm still a fan. But I just, as, as from the analytical perspective, I just don't see BC pulling this one out. So, Steve Adazio and Co., please prove me wrong. And with that, uh, we'll call it a wraps on this week's episode of BCI Radio. Once again, um, enjoy um, all the games this weekend. Be responsible and go Eagles. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.